Merry Christmas. Those of you who are visiting or seeking, we're glad you're here. You're welcome wherever you find yourself on your spiritual pilgrimage. And those of you who have been before, we're just glad you're here. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Christmas is perhaps one of the most important festivals for Episcopalians. Uh, in our culture, Christmas probably takes precedent over the most important Christian festival, which is Easter. But some say if there is an Anglican heresy, it's an overweening emphasis on the incarnation, which is the fancy way of speaking about God becoming a human being. For us, this is a very important thing, and it animates the way we understand our vocation as Christian people in the world, the way we interpret the gospel of Christ, and the way we understand how we can become a transparency and a reflection of God's grace and love as we live. In the uh, Christmas cycle, I always preach about what I call the four affirmations, and I'm going to do that in a minute. But when Betty Ann read the, the reading from Hebrews, or rather Kirk read the reading from Hebrews, and spoke about Jesus in Hebrew, it is exactly what Anglican Christians understand, that Jesus bears the very imprint of God. And if you read it in the Greek text, you will see that the word that is used is the minter minting the coin. When he strikes the coin and presses the image into the coin. And so somehow there must be some connection between the divinity that we see in the person of Jesus Christ and the divine spark within each of us. What Jesus Christ is by nature, we become through adoption and grace at our baptism. And Christmas time is a reflection on just exactly what is the relationship between those two things and what that does to our understanding as of our vocation as Christian people, as we live. You know, now we have Wikipedia, and we have Googling everything, and so on and so forth. So I've noticed over the last five or ten years, there's been an enormous growth in people uh, finding out things like, Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. No kidding. <laughs> Is this, is this news to the Church of God? No. It is important, however, that Christian people have sought to say that we can bring a Christ center even to some of the most important and powerful celebrations of our culture. And so when I used to get in Sausalito cards from the Gate 5 boat people in Sausalito who I knew very well saying, Happy Winter Solstice, I felt like a million bucks. <laughs> because we took the solstice and said, it's Jesus' birthday, December the 25th. And somehow all that humanity thinks is important about change, about season, about the way you and I understand this cyclical aspect of living gets manifested now in the church year. What a wonderful thing that is. So let me speak about the four affirmations that are important, and every Christmas we should focus on them. The first affirmation is the goodness of our humanity. 
The second affirmation is that each one of us can achieve the highest of our human potentialities. The third affirmation is that it is possible to be joyful. And the fourth affirmation is that Christian people must be people of peace. So that peace on earth is not merely some uh, pious statement, but somehow we come to grips with what in the world it means to speak about the peace of Christ. What does it mean to speak about God's peace? What does it mean for you to feel peaceful in some way as you live? So Christmas, first of all, is the affirmation of the goodness of our humanity. As it says in the book of Genesis, God made the cosmos and he called it good. You and I are unconditionally accepted, forgiven, and loved by God. It is the default position of all Christian people. There are brands and versions of Christianity who would rather focus our attention on our, the, your attention on your shortcomings and say until you're completely convinced and understand every aspect of your shortcomings, you're not going to be able somehow to uh, be renewed in Christ. Don't you believe that for a moment? Don't you believe that for a moment? We believe that the default position is that we are good and God made us good. I use the term cosmos instead of world. It's another Greek word which can mean world. It can mean the show that Carl Sagan had many years ago. But it also means order. It also means bringing order out of chaos. And what I like in Christmastide is that the word cosmos means ornament. So that the word, when we speak about the cosmos, means God's ornament. And without stretching this metaphor too far, if you and I are made in the image and likeness of God, that we bear the very imprint of God, made in God's image, perhaps each one of you in some way has some ornamental qualities and are necessary for God's plan for the cosmos. And so it's a Christmas present that we celebrate every year at this time, the ornamental quality of who we are and what we do. So we affirm the goodness of our humanity. We affirm that we can achieve the highest of our human potentiality. I don't mean that in terms of some human potential movement, but I mean that because of the Christ event, you and I have understood something about our own humanity that is important. We have each been made for a purpose and we are necessary in big and small ways for God's plan for the cosmos. And the spiritual life, our emotional, spiritual, and mental states when they are lived with intention, are given over to discovering precisely what that role is that each one of us play as we achieve the highest of our human potentialities. Christmas time, Father Thomas Keating says, one of my heroes and writers on the spiritual life, is the, not, the acknowledgement that the humdrum duties and events of daily life become sacramental, shot through with eternal implications. Because Jesus assumed the actual human condition in its entirety, including the instinctual needs 
of human nature and the cultural conditioning of his time, he also introduced into the entire human family the principle of transcendence, giving the evolutionary process a decisive thrust towards God consciousness. Jesus has joined the human family and has not just subjected himself to the consequences of the flesh, but also introduced the principle of redemption from all the pre-rational programs for happiness that center around three energy centers. These are the focus of all our attention as we live, if you stop to think about it. Security and survival, affection and esteem, and power and control. And those areas are the areas that you and I struggle with on a daily basis. All of them are important because they have something to do with the nature of our humanity. And what Father Keating says is, Jesus was a human being. And he redeemed those things and made, possible, made it possible for us to understand how they're not going to get away from us, but how we're going to live in a centered way in all those areas. Security and survival, affection and esteem, and power and control. You know, it's not hard for any one of us in our own way to know when we're veering off in those areas. But the achievement of the highest of our human potentiality is that God in Christ can help us understand that we can bring some species of serenity to our emotional, spiritual, and mental states. That we can have some control over the committee that lives rent-free in our head. That we're going to be able to do that in some way. Christian people can be joyful. That's the third affirmation. And joy is not some sentimental understanding of uh, being in a perpetual state of hilarity or Pollyanna-ish living. Joy in the spiritual life means the sure and steady understanding that the conundrums and the ambiguities and the difficulties of your life can come into surer and clearer focus as you live. That if you live some life of attention and interior self-regulation and discipline, you're going to be able to come clear about some of the things that had heretofore baffled you. Maybe for a fleeting moment and then you sink back into the same old confusion. That's what we often do. But the fact of the matter is that it is possible to do that and to be joyful. It connects, of course, with one of the virtues of hope. When we're baptized, we receive three virtues, infused virtues, uh, called the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Hope is honesty, openness, persistence, and enthusiasm. And if you live your life in that way, uh, it is possible to be joyful. And so on Christmas, we always affirm that as part of the way human beings can live. And finally, we're here to speak about what it means when we, we understand peace on earth. When Jesus used the word peace, he used the Hebrew word shalom. You've heard that word before. And I used to think, well, shalom means peace. But the reason it's so important, the shalom of God is that it is a word that is fraught with many, many meanings. And here's one of the advantages of Wikipedia. 
shalom, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, peace, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. So that's a pretty vigorous term, isn't it? So when we think about the shalom of God being transparencies and reflections of God's grace and love and peace, the shalom of God, it's a multifaceted undertaking, but it's something that each one of us is able to do because in big and small ways we possess those qualities at our best, always. At the, in the gospel today, we switch gears from reading last night uh, about the story of Jesus' birth and the shepherds and so forth. And today and tomorrow, on Sunday, we will read from the introduction to John's gospel. We'll read from the Johannine prologue. You might want to file that term on ice, and if you have a conversation with people and you use the term Johannine prologue, they will go, well, I guess you know. <laughs> right? Jesus is described as the word of God, the logos. And like shalom, logos can mean thought, speech, account, meaning, Reason, proportion, standard, my favorite, the organizing principle. So the community that wrote John's gospel believed that in this man's words and in this man's works, they had seen words and works indistinguishable from the words and works of God. And more to the point, in his earthly ministry, as they heard him and saw his mighty works, they realized that it was not just some tableau that they were watching, but through his teaching and example, he gave each one of them tools they could use. A means of appropriating and making part of their own personal history the deep things of the Christian faith and life, what it means to be the best human being that you can be. You know, one of the finest opportunities that any Christian person has to be a missionary is to have someone one day at work or somewhere say, you know, I've, got, I've known you for a while now and I've watched you and I want to know how to get what you have. Can you tell me? There's just some things about you I'd like to know might be helpful to me. You may not have exchanged one religious term at all but you will be able to share with them your greatest place of safety and assurance because your mental, emotional, and spiritual states have been centered in God. Episcopalian Christians believe that Christmas is the festival when we affirm that great possibility and that each one of us in our relational life can labor to create a society where it is easier for people to be good where we are able in some way to bring some sense of internal serenity and peace, making it, therefore, more, uh, us more available to be servants of God in Christ and to uh, constitute for other people uh, a way to live and to move forward. So think about what a great season this is 
and give thanks to God for your part that you have to play. Amen.